Blog Talk Radio. Welcome to the Carol Tuttle Child Whisperer Show. For the next hour, be prepared to be blown away as Carol shares some amazing tips and how-tos that are guaranteed to revolutionize your parenting experience. Each week, Carol brings her creative, hands-on approach to parenting using the unique model of child whispering, her vast knowledge of natural healing methods, and her passion and drive to help you become the best parent you can be. Carol is the mother of five grown children who all turned out to be pretty amazing people and are now becoming parents of their own, giving Carol the chance to become an even better grandparent. Welcome to today's show. Welcome to the Child Whisper Podcast. Glad to have you with us. Thanks for being willing to be, um, make changes and improve your parenting skills so that you can support your children and being happy and fulfilled and really living true to themselves. Right now I'm looking at the Child Whisper Facebook page as we speak. It's just reached 34,000 likes. That's very exciting. Thank you so much for everyone that participates on Facebook and does so in a healthy, positive way. Um, sometimes we'll get people on this page that have liked when different posts are shared because uh, people will like them and they'll appear in other places. People will have commentary that they're not informed. Um, so I appreciate all those that have read the book, The Child Whisper, and make really informed comments and um, support the, the ongoing experience of um, really understanding your children. So we've been focusing on teens, uh, and we're going to continue that focus today, how to turn around a rebellious team is today's show topic that I'm going to share with you, and we're going to talk a little bit about what does it even mean to be rebellion and to be rebellious and to really qualify that in your child's life, what's driving it, um, why it's a good thing, actually. It's actually a very favorable thing when uh, you know how to read understand it and go deeper with it. And so we'll be looking at that today. Uh, I will be taking a summer hiatus in the months of June, July, and August. So we'll have two more live shows. Let's see, we've got two more. I'm going to be off next week. I'm going to be traveling. I will be in um, going to Tahiti for a few nights, and then I'm going to be going to Auckland, New Zealand for a couple days. And then I will be in Sydney, Australia. And so you can meet me in Auckland on the 15th from 7 to 8.30 p.m. at the Sky City Grand Hotel if you happen to be in New Zealand. I'd love to meet you. And then if you can make it to Sydney, um, and I'm sure all of you are going, yeah, I'd love to make it to Sydney or Auckland, New Zealand. Um, But if that is your area of residence or you happen to be in those cities, I will be in Sydney on the 17th from 7 to 8.30 at the Marriott um, in downtown Sydney. The regular Marriott, not not the... It's just the Marriott, I think, the Harborview Marriott. So join me for my meet and greets. I'd love to meet you and just say, hey, hi, and answer any of your questions that you might have. People usually like to have me sign books or get a picture with me and... I appreciate that. I'm always very honored by that. Thank you so much. So on the Child Whisper blog, let me highlight a couple blog posts 
before we get into today's topic. We talked last week about um, we we got into some teen subjects, and I posted just recently on the blog the talk when, what, and how our kids need to hear about sex. I like this post. I think it's got a lot of insight, a lot of uh, practical tips, and a lot of guidelines uh, that you can then implement into your own personal value system. Because I like to teach strategies and parenting approaches that can then be adapted to your own personal value system. Because in the child whispering world, there's a very large scope of personal values and what people want to teach their children and their preferences for that. And I don't want you to adhere to my personal values. And so I try and teach all of my parenting material in a way that it can be implemented within your personal value system. Because it's not about your values. It's about your method, methods, what you're doing to teach your values, how you're communicating, the, the way you're managing your, your interaction with your children. So it's, not the, so it's, it's the, how you do it versus a lot of the personal, um, very personal, intimate values that, that you have a preference for that I respect and honor. And a lot of what's out there when you look at sexuality, it teaches very specific to the values, the person that's giving the feedback. And so I, I like to kind of step back from that and say, you know, it's not my business where you stand on sexuality, you know, sexual activity and um, your values when it comes to the expression of sexuality. So it's not my say. So check that out. I love it. It's a great post. So in today's topic, How to Turn Around a Rebellious Teen, I want to refer to the Child Whisper book originally here. Uh, and there's a section that I have. I actually got the book in front of me. And I'm going to um, refer you to this section in the latter part of the book, uh, The Real Reason Children Rebel. It's on page 353, and I'm going to flip to that myself because I want to review that with you. Because the uh, rebellion, if you look at what rebellion is, it, to note that rebellion is an act against something. It's turning, it's going against something. It's refusing to be a part of something. It's a pushing away a pushing back. So that whole quality of I've got to go against this and there what's the motive? Why do they rebellion is effort to get something else. It's I need to refuse this, push against this, um, counter this in order in an effort to experience something else. And so it's that pushing against that I want you to kind of note. And in the Child Whisper, I teach that it's not inevitable that your child's going to rebel. And if you have a fear that they will, you're actually setting yourself up to have more potential for that. Because, again, when fear motivates your choices as a parent, you're trying to prevent something rather than being proactive towards something. And when you try and prevent something, you'll actually have more um, influence in the world of cause and effect of how we create in this world 
that what your attention, your energy is focused on, if you're focused on what you don't want in an effort to prevent it, you'll actually have more potential to manifest it. Um, I really learn about this in my book. You can learn about that whole dynamic and kind of uh, creation process in my book, Remembering Wholeness. So in the case, if you fear that your child will rebel and you've got issues around that, that again is showing you you have something you need to look at in your personal experience of self. Why are you nervous about that? Why do you get triggered? What are you scared of? What are you trying to prevent? What's the worst thing that could happen if they did? Um, and rebellion is more the case in the teenage years. You know, you can see some signs of it when kids are in grade school, but there's some certain things happening. As you look through the child whisperer, the four types, you'll notice in the section on their developmental phases, the last phase of their development is focused on their need to be autonomous, their need to be creating their own identity of self, their own value system. Who am I in this world? Who do I want to associate with? Uh, do my friends and peers accept me? Do I fit in? And we've talked about that in previous shows as we've done these teen topics with the dating and the appearance um, issues that come up. And so you're already in dealing with a child who's naturally emotionally designed to kind of um, step away from you to, in a way, you know, and if they feel too tied in to living their life for you, they don't feel any autonomy, any support in autonomy, they may need to rebel to create space to create a sense of self. Who am I? Independent of my parents. And so rebellion... Um, we have labeled this, too. It becomes sort of a, uh, in the book, I say, rather than support these young people who are transitioning from childhood to adulthood, our society often talks about them like they are nu- nuisances, delinquents, or rebels. The idea of teenage rebellion has just become a given in our con- current cultural environment. Most people accept it as if it were just something that teenagers do. But have we ever asked this question, what are they rebelling against? And I go on to say, rebellion is a byproduct of not feeling understood. It's a teen's attempt to live true to themselves. No matter how many times a child is shushed, ignored, shut down, or put on the spot. See, and you'll notice that I'm recognizing the four types in that. When I say shush, type threes get shushed a lot, ignored. Type ones get ignored a lot because they're not taken seriously. Shut down. Um, you know, the put on the spot type one of the worst things you can do with a type 4 child as far as causing them um, embarrassment is to, and I say this in the book, and yet we have to read this information multiple times in order to really get it as our common um, thought process because we'll just, we'll default to some common habits, some common behavior choices that aren't in the best interest of our kids in the world of a type 4 child if you're with your friends and your type 4 child is standing there with you and you're talking about them, even if it's favorable, it's embarrassing to them. So being put on the spot. Their inner nature remains constant and longs to be free to express itself. The teenage years are often the time of life when children have enough autonomy to do something about it. If they don't trust themselves or don't feel supported, they may resort to the dysfunction of rebellion. 
However, if they understand their true nature and feel supported, they can live true to it without rebelling against anything. So I then take you through, and I'm not going to go through these because this is an opportunity for you to grab the book and from pages 354 to 358, it's a short read, uh, I go through each of the types and what that rebellion could look like. And then a tip. What can you do to reach that child? And I'll refer to that a little bit today because this is all about turning it around. But the thing I want to stress here is your child is already, if you're, they're showing signs of going against something, what are they rebelling against? Well, if you put on a full force, you know, an effort to try and bring them around, get them to see things, you're efforting it, you're trying, you know, you've even gone on full throttle more, they're going to go against you more, see? So the way to approach this is sort of through the back door so that they don't feel any of your force, any of your effort, any of your your um, con- you know concern because not only it shows up in various ways it shows up in your language but even more so it shows up in your emotion and your attitude and your presence your child can feel all of that children we were all excellent intuitives and empathic at a very high level as children because we were reading our parents we were reading their energy. So what's your energy presenting? Are you trying to get them to be somewhere else, do something different, believe something else? What are you trying to get them to through those various, you know, different choices, different beliefs? What are they doing that's scaring you? And again, so that's twofold. You need to step back, you know, again, stepping back rather, stepping into it with more energetic presence because they will then go against that because that's their mode of operation right now. i got to go against you to find me, to know me. Now, what could be contributing to this? The basics is what I've just shared with you is if you've only learned about the child whisper and the four types in the last couple years, which most likely you have, at best, if you're one of my staunch long-term veteran followers, the best you could have is 10 years into this. And I, it's most likely you're not is it wasn't readily available. I'm 10 years into this sharing this content, but it was very exclusive in the first five years. You couldn't find it because I didn't have books. I didn't have websites. I had um, small events uh, that were a high-end investment for a group of a few women that could come. You know, we had two dozen women that attended three- to four-day events that could learn about the four types. So this wasn't spreading, you know. It wasn't accessible. So maybe you've known this for three or four years. Granted, if you've got a teen that's 14 or 15, you're entering a later stage of the game. So please do not say, I wish I had known this sooner. It doesn't matter. I will say that, you know, as many times as I have to. Because if I had to, I should do a blog post on um, the most common things I hear parents say that are the most defeating and the most untrue. I don't know if I'll title it. That's a really long title. But one of them is to hear a parent. And 
even if they're in their 60s and their kids are in their 30s or 40s, to hear a parent say, it's too late, I wish I had learned this sooner. That mm-hmm. is one of the most false, untrue statements possible. Because I always use myself for an example. I'm 56. This is this year I'll turn 57. My father is 30. I talked to him recently. It's the 87th birthday. And I'm like, Dad, how old are you? And um, when it, I figured, you know, I don't know, duh, I figured out, oh, I just need to remember you're 30 years older than me. That's easy. Um, so I said, you're 87. You know, and uh, I thought, and I just wished him a happy birthday and such. But as an example, my father, who's 87 and I'm 57, would it still have value to me and be nurturing and supportive to me if my 87-year-old father called me up and said, Carol, I just want you to know I'm really proud of you, and I really recognize the accomplishments you've made in your life. You've really done a lot of great things, and I just want you to hear that from me because I really value you as your dad. Do you think that would matter to me? Or I would say, well, Dad, it's just too late because that has absolutely no effect on me now. Of course it would. Yes. Yes. So when parents make that claim, I, I would have put that in the top five. Um, I wish I had known this earlier. Well, maybe you're just coming out, and maybe you just don't even want to go through the effort that it would require for you to make up the difference, whatever age your child is, teen and older. And it's an easy out and scapegoat. So really look at yourself. Why, If you've said that, why are you saying that? Really? Really? It's not too late, and especially in the life of a teenager. So let's just say... The rebellion may be showing up because, granted, the first 10 to 12 years of their life, you didn't have a clue. And you didn't wake up and say, yeah, let's wound this kid. Let's really just, you know, force them to live against their true nature. No, you didn't have that, you know, you didn't have that motive. You're a good person. You're kind. You want well. Uh, You may be a little too attached to your own what it's supposed to look like idea of life. And they're showing you, you know, maybe your version isn't so perfect for me. (laughs) And they're rebelling against whatever you think they should be or should be doing or who they should be. So in your examination of my child's rebelling or I'm afraid they're going to rebel, give yourself a little slack because you didn't know what you know now. And, yes, you can make up the difference. And I've said many, many times, is you read through the child whisper and you look at what are the most important things a child needs to hear in the different developmental phases for their type, you can say those now. If your child didn't hear from you something that validated their emotional development at age three, you can find a way to say that now in a way that's respectful and honoring and loving to them without anything attached to it. Now, that's the other thing. If you've got an attachment that you, your motive is, I need to change my child, So I feel like the choices they're making and what they're experiencing in life is more conducive to what I feel is correct and then it will eliminate my fear and anger, then they're going to pick up on that on some level and they will not be motivated for that. Um, You need to choose it out of love, that I just choose to love my child and show up and not needing them to be anything. You know, this is a very fine line. 
very fine line because there's the line is on one side of the line is I need you to do this for me so I don't have to feel all this and I don't have all this stuff coming up. Now I've lived through this because you know we have a um, one of my five kids has chosen a very different path than I would have chosen for him. Being a type three, I put a lot of effort. I was very determined to try and help him get on that path. But life just kept putting him back in the same place. And I realized that it was like moving a rock after I finally quit. I just had, it's like, this isn't my role. I felt it was correct. I had good intentions. It really was well-meaning, but there was a lot of my own stuff um, wrapped into the motivation, my own need, my own, because this particular child would trigger me more than any of my kids. And it would then influence my response to him and what I thought was best for him and my great effort to try and, you know, I, and ultimately, granted, you want the best for your kids. So in my experience, yeah, I wanted something that I felt was better for him to help support him in getting engaged in a life that would be um, a life of success and a life that he could really develop his natural gifts and talents. Well, I've, as I've been prayerful about this, what I've learned is he's chosen um, to be in a certain life experience and I need to allow those lessons to play out. I need to allow those and, and things for life to play out. Now, when they're teens and they're still in your household, this is the tricky part because when they're making choices that go against your family system values and there's younger children in the household, there needs to be boundaries and there needs to be guidelines to just say if these are the choices you're going to make, it's a very sticky, tough place to be because you want your child to be home. You want them to live in your home, you want them to make different choices, but if they're not compliant and what they're doing is reckless and it's damaging to your family harmony, then yeah, there's boundaries and there's difficulties that need to be addressed. Now, this is where a good counselor can come into play. One that would understand the child whisperer would be a huge advantage because there's communication blocks and there's communication breakdowns. And so when no one's getting hurt, and it always ends up in a quarrel, a fight, or contention, when people aren't hurt and understood, it's difficult to come together and agree to action items to say, all right, I understand you. This is what you want. They, you know, you understand your child. They're able to say, yes, I feel understood by you. Um, they feel understood by you feel understood by them, and then you can come together and say, okay, what are we going to do? What are the choices we're going to make moving forward that honors both of us? What are our action items? It's really hard to get to those action, what are we going to do, when you can't get past the yelling and the fighting. And you're constantly looping through that because everybody's triggering each other. And you might need a counselor to help facilitate your communication so that you learn communication skills. One of the best books I've written, read, and you can actually find people that are trained in this process. My husband and I learned this. Collaborative Marriage Skills, 
collaborative communication skills. Um, I'm looking on Amazon right now. There's a couple versions of it. It was written by, there's one called Collaborative Marriage Skills with Scriptures. I want to give you the one that's just more generic. Let me, while I'm, but it it taught us um, how it comes with, if you buy the whole version of it, which you can, I think, on their website. I'm looking up that right now. Let's see. You got to You can start to. It's a red book. It's a red book. Uh, there's a version without the scriptures part, and you may you may find that favorable. I don't know. I just know for my audience, I want to make sure I just give you guys generic stuff, and you can go with the direction you want with it. Um, but anyway, check that out. Um, collaborative marriage skills, communication skill. It's I'll do some more um, research on we're on the show today, but uh, this teaches you how to really listen. It came the version we purchased has came with these mats, and we had to learn how to um, do the mats are like it teaches you how to stay in the role that you need to play. If you're on the listening side, how to listen, understand, take in, how to um, ask questions, how to then empathetic listening, do I understand what you're saying, really staying in just that understanding and listening mode. And then the one that's sharing has been taught how to share their issue, why they're experiencing it, their thoughts around it, their feelings around it. So you really get to the feeling space too. And this is, when that happens, this makes me feel. And I don't, and, and you really start to, I uh, appreciate the feeling the other person's going through. But it creates a boundary so you can really listen, so you can really feel that you're safe to share, and you can feel that it's that uh, the person sharing now knows, I trust that you're going to hear me because you've got the mat <laughs> and you've got these skills. And so check that out. You need to learn how to listen to your teen so that they feel like they can tell you anything. If they're saying to you, you never listen to me, and that's probably true, really feeling understood, because you jump in and you give feedback too quickly. You have a conversation with your teen, and you didn't give them any feedback on what to do about it, your opinion about it. All you did was listen and understand them and then thank them for sharing. Is there any more, anything else you want to say? Um, do you feel heard? Do you feel that I understand you? You know, to really just listen. And you might be hearing my text going off in the background. I need to turn my phone off. So the... Uh, Communication is going to be a big part of turning around a rebellious teen. They don't feel heard and understood by you. So you need to learn how to listen so they feel heard and understood. And these are some basic tips. You really have to check your own emotion. 
put this is not about me. This is not about me hearing my teen hearing me and my point of view. Why do you have such a strong need for them to hear you? Why do you um, insist that they understand, you know, what part of you is playing out your rebellion with your teen and that you feel that it really triggers you that you don't feel heard by them? And you need to be. That's not their job. It's your job to hear them, understand them. So really practice that. And if you start getting your buttons pushed, then do a timeout. Tell them, say, you know, I really want to hear you. I want to understand you. Some stuff's coming up for me. And I don't want to dump that on you. I don't want to react. I don't want to have you have to deal with my emotional stuff. Um, I need to take a time out so that uh, I can really be present for you. Okay, so you're the adult. You're the parent. You need to be the one that really kind of steers this experience so they start to feel trust with you. That's a basis in helping a teen come out of a rebellious phase. My parents understand me. I'm feeling heard. I can trust them. Because most likely some of their choices are extreme. Rebellion is acting out an extreme. Well, I'm going to Maybe they're just living true to themselves and your what you how you want them to live looks different. So there's that. Could it be just that and it looks like rebellion to you when they're really just trying to find themselves and what they're choosing really isn't that outrageous or dangerous or reckless? It's just different. Is it just different than what you thought? would be correct for your teen. And then there's the degree moving further into, if we were to say, the scale of rebellion, where it's really extreme behavior. It's like overs. And their choices are, in a, to a certain degree, dangerous, reckless, and showing forth negligence. If they're not wanting to go to school, if they're failing school, um, they're just hanging out with friends, you know, if they're getting... Kids can get into drugs if they're getting into alcohol, if they're, getting, if they're sexually active, um, and there's a recklessness to it. And that's now they're really disconnected from themselves. They, they, they're angry. There's a, call, a quality of angry that, that, and the core of that is my parents, I don't feel supported in my family. I don't feel understood. And I'm just, I'm, uh, it's a protest, and I'll show them. On some level, they know this really angers, and you know, it's like kind of a back at you. Uh, you know, you don't care about me, so I don't care about you. And they, and if you say to them, "I do care about you. I care so much. I want you to do blah blah blah,", blah but you're still not listening because you're still telling them, you're still talking, and you're still allowing the fights to play out. You're not creating healthy boundaries that that keep the emotion from everyone attacking each other. And and when you get triggered, I'll I'll say it again. 
I've got some emotional stuff coming up for me. I want to really be present so I can hear you and understand you. I need to take a time out because I don't I I don't want my stuff to interfere with me really wanting to listen now. So mom or dad, I you know, mom's going to take a time out, okay? You cool with that? Take accountability. I mean, really be the one that um, intervenes when it gets sticky and messy and emotional. Don't let it go there. Don't keep beating up yourself and your child with this emotional stuff. It's it's tough to do, believe me. I've been triggered many, many a time um, with my kids, and they uh, have been the in a manner, a victim of my own emotional upset. And I have much more capacity now and discipline and clarity, and I don't have that much emotional stuff getting triggered anymore because I've done a lot of healing with it, that I'm just not susceptible to that. So I'm, I'm able to stay grounded and clear and really present for. And in some cases, you know, at times you need to create boundaries and... I'm asking my husband to grab me that marriage book. I really, I want to give you this communication book because I really want you to have this information. So when it gets into the, before you set the boundaries, try some of these other things first and see if you can shift and turn that rebellion around before you start kicking kids out of your house and um, putting down some really strong you know, just the, this is if you're going to make those choices, then you can't live here anymore. Or you know, there's really severe consequences. You're going to lose your driver's license. You can't have a car. You can't have a phone. Da 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 da. Try not to go there until you've tried these other. Make sure you've read the section in the Child Whisper, page 353. Go over the tips for each of the four types. Really look at your communication. How well do you listen? How well do you stay clear? Uh, why is this happening? You know, what is this? Why are what are they mirroring for you? What's the mirror for you? What are you to learn from this? Why does it trigger you so much? Why do you need them to be any different than they are? Um, Byron Katie's work really helped me. Her loving what is, and her um, questions. The the questions, which is the body of the work, really helped me examine myself. And as I moved through this experience with one of my children, and I was able to learn a lot about why I needed, I was able to let go of their. Now, and letting go is different than hoping for and supporting them in creating a healthy and functional life. Letting go is letting go of needing it because you, you need it for your own personal feeling of safety and love and um, needing needing them to be a certain way for you. And so her work was very supportive to me. Her wonderful book, Loving What Is, it's, it's a classic. It's been sold by the millions in numerous languages. It's just a great, a great piece of insight. I love her work. She's a beautiful woman. She has a type four, and her information cuts the chase and really helps you look at yourself. So I support you in checking her out if you haven't ever looked into the Byron Katie world. 
So the book is called Collaborative Marriage Skills, but these can be used for any relationship. And when I Google that, which I am right now, there is a version of it on Amazon, but it happens to say with scripture. So I don't know if that's a different version than I own. Um, so check that out. Yeah, yeah it's by Sherrod, by Sherrod Miller, Phyllis Miller. There's several authors that are listed on this. So check that out. I'll let you do kind of look around for that yourself. It's it's a great book. It's just, you know, and you got to know how to market a little bit so you can keep your good information out there. So anyway, let's open the call, up, the show up for any questions that you have. If you're going through any of this yourself, I'd love to support you if I can. And any other questions you might have. Thanks for letting me share my insights today on how to turn around a rebellious team. And I didn't, some of the obvious are pray for your child. There's a lot of write a new script for them. Um, see a different experience with them. Don't put a timeline on it that you will have a pot at some point. They will come through this and there will be a beautiful relationship and you'll learn a lot from it. The figure eights that I teach, continuing to do the figure eights. And I don't have time to go through all this, but I, these are little reminders that you can learn these methods in other shows. And on my blog, the Carol blog, you can learn the energy healing work that I do because the figure eights will keep you connected to your child. And you want to maintain a, a love connection with them energetically amidst this, this experience that you're moving through. I have a caller from 678. You're live on the show. Hi, Carol. How are you? I'm good. How are you doing? I'm good. Hey, I have a question about my um, type 3 16-year-old daughter. Um, uh-huh. I'm a type 2 mom, and my husband is a type 4. I thought he was a type 2 until we went through this together. Um, we caught her in a really big lie, and it's kind of exposed a little pattern of lying. And my question is, at what point do we restore trust? She's gone through kind of a three-week grounded phase and we've outlined some changes we want her to make and so she's ready to go back to life as it was we're not really ready for that and I'm trying to decide where the line is where I give some trust back before she you know type three she's she's demanding it what do I do uh so how long have you known she's a type three um just a few months I just started dressing her truth in December so it's fair to say she has most likely felt restraints from you her whole life. Probably, most likely. Yeah. Yes. Okay, so have you had a chance to read the Child Whisper book? Yes, I have. Okay, so in that I note, uh, probably more than once, that when a type 3 child feels restrained, especially from a type 2 mom and a type 4 dad, what do they start doing? They start not telling you. They start going around you. And they start, in her case, having to lie because they're tired of being stopped. They're okay. tired of the restraint. And so, see, you're restraining her right now. Right. Which is just complicating it. Which is going so to fuel her. 
to go do it bigger and more. Type so how threes. do you handle that? Type threes. Well, first of all, has she does she know she's a type three? I've told her she hasn't really bought into the whole concept yet. She says I'm because she's tired of you telling. Well, see, I'm gonna I'm being a little bit in your face today because I'm a type three and I know what this feels like. I know. And I avoided. I stopped talking to my mom. I did never. I stopped conferring with my mother by about age thirteen. I started making up my own mind, deciding what I wanted to do. I was too scared to rebel in that light, where I went out and did crazy stuff, but um, I know a lot of type 3 women that have, because the culture, again, that compounds it even more when you haven't known this about a type 3 female. Um, you know, the symbol we use right now for type 3 women is a lion. <laughs> and so it's a fierce energy. It's powerful. So she, see, I think you haven't, you're, you're, you have not applied the child whispering approach to this. For okay. when you're trying to tell her who she is, rather than the number, the first thing I would do with what I now know, I would show up and apologize and say, I've learned something, and that is you need freedom. And you have probably felt restrained your whole, for a good portion of your life. And I am sorry. And I want to change. And I need you to help me understand that and what you need. What what would look what would support look like to her? See, you're not inviting her in. You're just deciding I we don't like what you're doing and so we're gonna create more restraint for you. So how would you handle the consequence for the lie when she has five younger siblings? I would own it and say my daughter's lying to me because she doesn't feel safe and feel free to tell me the truth. I would I would make it, I'm the reason she's lying. I would own it and say, what have I done that's caused my daughter to lie? That she feels she can't be free and tell the truth to me and be herself and i would i would own it from that place and say i'm you know i realize i'm a good big part of the reason you're lying and i'm sorry you no consequence well, the thing is, you haven't even had that conversation to give her the opportunity to say, wow, you're kidding me. My mother's saying this? I might tell her how I'm really feeling. She's never told you how she really feels, but she's going to show you she's angry. Because when you restrain a type 3, they're going to get mad. And they get louder. Yeah, they do. <laughs> And they're going to push it back against you. And they're doing everything. And that's where I didn't say, you know, rebellion can be a favorable thing. I've met many adults that are still healing this sense of, I screwed up, I rebelled. And I said, you know what, you saved yourself. Because it's the only way you knew to stay connected to your own energy. And so in a kind of backward way, you stayed true to yourself. And you didn't. I said... You know, I wonder, it might have been favorable for me 
if I could have rebelled, I was too scared. If I could have just stood up and said to my father, you know, don't get mad, you know, that's not okay. If I could have, you know, gotten his face and said, your behavior is, it feels really scary. And don't, it's not okay to treat children like this. You know, I was too scared. Do you want your child to be scared and obedient? Or do you want your child to be, um, in your case, a type 3, do you want her to push against you to say, don't control me? And you guys, see, you have, you don't, you've not, you're still, op- you, you kind of like, you've read the child whisper and you said, okay, she's a type 3, but we're going to keep doing everything we've always done just knowing she's a type 3. No, I need to go back and read the book again because I read it with the, you know, with the purpose of typing all my kids. So, yeah, I need to read it probably two or three more times to figure out what I'm doing. But well, it takes a, you know, for a parent to show up and say, "Hey, I did that even before I was, you know, I was doing that when my kids were in grade school before, you know, when I was starting to get into all this years ago. I would show up and say to my kids, "I'm really sorry. I've scared you." Um, I, I said to my kids when they were in grade school, I remember telling them, look, if there's anything mom says or does that makes you feel scared, I want you to say, mom, stop it. I gave them permission to counter me. I gave them permission to have a voice and say, what you're doing is hurting me, mom. Because I knew what it was like to grow up in a family where I had no voice. And I was scared, literally scared to death to make a move. And so, see, for you to show up and give your daughter a sit and say, we're people that make mistakes, and we've made a lot of them. And one of the biggest ones I've come to realize is, you don't like being restrained. You need freedom. And you like challenges. And you like me getting behind you on them. And if I don't, you'll stop talking to me. And you won't think I'm someone that is your ally and you can even depend on. I didn't with my mother. I didn't think, man, my mom's there for me. I thought my mom gets in my way. And she gets all freaked out and nervous and she's been shushing me my entire life. This is all subconscious, but, you know, I couldn't deal with it anymore. It's like, and the other thing I heard from my mother my whole life was, you should have been the mother. And I'm like, oh, my gosh, just be my mom, you know, show up. And, yeah, I'd broken, my parents were broken people. They they did the best they could. Um, thankfully, my brothers and I have turned out pretty good in spite of it all. But I'm here now to talk to parents like you to say, you're operating by your old methodology. It's not working. You keep doing what you're doing. She will as fast as she can get out of there, she will get out of there. Right. And say, I don't want to deal with you guys because you don't get me. It's it's okay. just the way it's going to go. All right. Well, thank you. So thanks for letting me. I'm being really honest with you. If you want to save this and turn it around, it's some. You, I'd listen to the show again. Because you, I don't think you're doing anything that I suggested today. Her rebellion, her her lying is a way 
to be true to herself. Mm-hmm. That's all it is. Is she doesn't want to lie. She doesn't want her parents angry at her. Everybody wants their parents loving them and thinking they're really cool. That Can I ask you another part of the question? Yeah. Um, so in this lie, her boyfriend's mother was part of the lie and helping her lie. <laughs> well, yeah, fe- she feels they get her. See, see how she's turning now to other adults? And whatever story she's painting, it makes you look unfavorable. And like this poor kid, I need to help her. See, I guarantee she's right. painting a story that's making you look like the bad guys. And she's just looking for someone to support her and say, I feel safe here and I can be myself here. As a parent, I'd look at that and say, why does my child, what am I doing? What choices are we making? How are we parenting her? That she doesn't feel that she can be safe and be herself in our own family, that she's recreating a family infrastructure to replace us at 16. And she's going to paint the story, her version, as the victim. It's probably not accurate. But she's going to because in her experience, that's how she feels. So to her, it's accurate based on her perception of what's happening. So when you take away all those people and you start putting on more restraints, all I'm saying is watch out. (laughs) It's going to build. (laughs) There's a part that's saying, oh, yeah, I'll show you, and you will not tell me what to do. Mm-hmm. That's just okay. built into a type three, and so really, and I don't know if your type four husband's on board with this energy profiling. Um, He's starting to, uh, but it's like the you're in a place right now. You're in a fork in the road. You can save this, or you can go down a path where I I told you where it's going. It's very predictable, or you can shift it it's going to take some time because it's going to take some time for her to trust you and it's going to take a a lot of your accountability and a lot of your willingness to say okay I'm still learning and even giving her permission to say how what do I do what do we do as your parents that makes you feel frustrated and restrained and you can't be yourself Find out. Don't think you know. That's not really understanding another human being. Don't type twos draw assumptions. They draw their own assumptions and think they're correct. And type threes, quite honestly, are some of the easiest people in the world to communicate with because it's like, let's just get directly to it. Let's get this done. Let's move through this. We do not want it like labor over it. It's like, come on. Yeah. Let's get to a result here. So thank you for even calling and caring. The fact that you care and you're willing to learn about this, that's what qualifies you as an amazing mother. So thanks for calling in. Thank you. 
Oh, I've, my lines are open. Um, if you have another, if anyone else has a question, uh, I appreciate that caller's willingness to be re- open to my feedback. Um, I I feel I get a little um, direct with that because I realize how timely this is. It's really like, where do you want to go with this? And it's a time-sensitive issue, meaning there's already in a manner, a lot of damage that's been done that needs to be remedied when you don't understand your child and they're now 16. And there's a lot of things that have been practiced in your parenting that it's now showing in these kinds of experiences with a teen. And that's, again, like I said, it's never too late, but you may, not having had this information, there's a lot of wounding of your child I call accidental wounding it's not intentional, but it just, you can't help it when you don't understand their true nature and you don't understand which of the four types they are. You're going to wound your child to some degree just because you'll operate more from your nature than really being effectively able to parent theirs. And it's a learning curve, you know. You don't just read the book and go, I got it. It gives you so many scenarios. Your children give you so many opportunities to, to um, re- receive your own inspiration based on this approach and to be able to to come up with your own insights and ideas in the moment of what does your child need. I love that um, I was looking on Facebook. I love the stories that parents will post about their experience. And just the other day we had one from a mom and she writes, um, by the end of the week my type 1 son seemed to be having a hard time, especially with obedience and listening. Thanks to this book, I knew it was because he wasn't getting enough fun and spontaneity. So I asked my type 1 husband, who had also been working too hard this week, to take him for the day and just have fun. They came back energized and full of life again. They continued the fun at home and was even and were even able to convince my type 4 daughter to join them in the sprinklers. This is just one example of how this book has been such a lifesaver in my life, feeling so grateful. And then she posted this cute little picture of her little type 1 son, He's probably around four or five, and then the dad on the lawn. Um, just such a great, another, again, ah, oh, my child's not listening obedient. My type 1 child's not listening and being obedient because they're not having enough fun. Who would ever put those together? See, we tend to think they need to learn. They need to be more disciplined. They need more structure. So in each of the four types, you continue to remind yourself, reread it, get the insights, Invite your children to learn about this. Invite them to learn about this. Don't just tell them who they are, especially if they're teens. Oh, you're a type 2, blah, blah, blah. Oh, you're a type 4. That's going to put them on the defense. How do you invite a teenager to learn their type? Just say, you know, first start with an apology. Hi, you know, I'm going to just use a fake name. Susie, I've made a lot of mistakes as your mother, and I and I didn't do it on purpose, but I have read this book. It's given me a tremendous amount of insight about who you are and what you need, and I have failed at that. And you probably don't trust me to a certain degree or feel understood by me, and I feel that's fair and reasonable. I can see why you don't now, and I'm sorry. And I'd love for you to read about it to see if you see yourself in this. Because I want to understand you better. And I would, from the insights this author shares, I would love for you to share yourself 
and not just from her perspective, but to share when when you see how this helps you be yourself, I'd love for you to share with me more about who you are and and some of your challenges in that. What do you what you know, what are you scared of in life? What do you, what are you excited about? What do you you know basically how's your self esteem, you know? Life is not about, I want to make sure my children does A, B, and C. It's how does my child feel about who they are. So are you? have you been focused on your child's accomplishments more than how much does my child love themselves and have a healthy self-esteem to take forward in their life to pursue different life experiences to accomplish them? And so, again, are you focused on the doings and how well they're doing life or how beautifully they're being they're being themselves in life and they feel honored and loved they feel understood and appreciated and so really look at that as well because that could be another you know if they're going to rebel against the doings of your world that you are so focused on but you've got to do dot dot you know a b and c and they're like ah i don't want to do all that because it's not even compatible with who i am so you've got one more caller. I'll take this last caller. I've only got a couple minutes, but we'll take it. Um, 801, you're live on the show. Hello. Hi. Oh, can you hear me? I can. Welcome to the show. Oh, okay. Hi. This is Michelle, and I'm a type 2. And this is um, kind of off topic today, but I was wondering if you could give me some suggestions of how I can support my son. He's 18, almost 19, and he's on a church mission. And so I'll be talking to him this Sunday. And I'm pretty sure he's a 1-4. Mm-hmm. And he's really, I think, struggling with not getting some enjoyment in his life. It's not much um, fun. <laughs> no, and, and missionary work is work. But I think he's um, in a situation where maybe a district leader or um, trainer or whatever is not into fun, (laughs) you know, and maybe that's um, something to do with his type. So he's not, um, he's doing nothing, it's just work, and I think it's, he's having a hard time with it. Well, um, I think he needs you know some joy and some lightness. Yes, you know about he the does. profiling. Okay, he does. Yeah. He does. He's a type one. I'm pretty sure he is. Yeah. Okay. Well, and he, he agree and with that? Sure he he feel that's that's who he is. Okay. Uh-huh. And I'm gonna yeah. um, answer those that are listening live. We will go off the air, but the recording will still play out. So I want to answer your question. So just okay, a heads up. Um, well, first of all, again. Um, that's the kind of misconception for the type one understanding of what fun is, that it has to be recreational. And it's mm-hmm. not. It's bringing a light and playfulness to everything you do, see. So you can do anything. You can pull weeds and make it more enjoyable by staying mm-hmm. true to yourself, by keeping a yeah. lightness about it. Um, so it is a social opportunity because he's always interacting with people. So there's a plus there. Yes. He's always in a social experience. So he needs to decide for himself, how do I do my mission? How is it true? How do I how do I do it true to my type, not somebody else's 
um, interpretation of what it should look like. Because he can accomplish mm-hmm. all the work and the goals and the the different uh, things they have to do. But if he's not being true to himself and he's shutting that down, that's where he's going to get depressed then. Because he doesn't yeah. know how to just be himself within the mix of it all. And then he's adapting to everybody. He's adapting to whoever he's with mm-hmm. and whatever type they are. And he needs to check in with that. One of his gifts is adaptability. Is he adapting and being the chameleon to whoever his companion is or what his perception of, well, this is what it needs to look like? Because he's actually one of the most naturally gifted to engage people in conversation and to create Uh a really safe place for people to feel loved and supported so that they would want to listen to the message he wants to share. So how is he bringing that to the experience? But if he's shutting himself down, he can't. Well, and I think that's what he does. I think maybe he yeah. goes into the foreside, yeah. you know, the well, type foreside of himself given, and just shuts down. And help <laughs> him have some questions to self-evaluate so he can check in and recommit so that it becomes more of a lifestyle habit. Because he has to, um, you know, when he's doing it unconsciously, but then he's experiencing the, the fallout of it, which is that just lack of motivation and the depression, he'll, um, so he needs to have a daily kind of, you know, maybe three questions to check himself with, you know, and in, in recognizing the gifts that he has that are of value in this experience mm-hmm. and to stay true and to really remember, oh, yeah, I'm the one that adapts to everybody. i got to watch that, you know, and that could be See, one and of the we questions. Talk- oh. Oh, go ahead. Sorry. We talked about adaptability before you left, but I didn't think of it in that way as adapting others. We talked about, you know, I said, well, you know, you're adaptable, so you're going to be able to adapt to to the environment and everything. You know, yeah, just well, keep that in one, mind that you're type one, one and you're adaptable. Yeah, but they'll lose themselves with other people. That's the Yeah, and I didn't think of that part. Yeah, and I talk about that and it's just my nature and the child whisper mm-hmm. that you have okay. to help your child keep their own sense of identity because they can take on the identity of others. Okay. Start to run their energy and be like them. Well, he, and then if he has he any is. beliefs, you know, if he's getting feedback, it's like the whole universal belief of dysfunction for the type 1s is, you know, I'm um, treated with disrespect and they treat me like I'm too immature, you know. A three just has mm-hmm. to hold his own. And now, you know, yeah. I'm a confident guy and I'm going to have a good time while I'm out here. Yeah. Well, we talked about that before you left too. I said you, you need to have fun, type ones, you know, within the Help him within understand the boundaries. fun is not going out. Help him understand fun is staying in his light energy, not going and doing yeah. something fun. Okay. that's where they get kind of like, well, I can't always be doing something fun. And I'm like, it's not, it's not what it means. Yeah, and I think he <laughs> understands that, you know, that he doesn't have to always be having fun. But I, I think he's just got this, this guy was his trainer and now he's the, the district leader or whatever, but he's still in the same apartment and and my son can't stand him. <laughs> 
And then I think, you know, my my type four son. I don't know if he would have made it if he hadn't had energy profiling to support him through his experience, so he could know people's types and say, okay, and I have a greater understanding of why that person bothers me. Mm -hmm. And for a type four, it was very challenging for him to be with someone twenty four seven. Like yeah. really? Well, you and know, I'm think, like, hey, we got to figure out how you're going to have solitary time, Mark. <laughs> I think that's the part too. Is he he wants some time alone, and he can't have oh, any yeah. time alone. Mm, and and then you know, and and then the adjustment to uh, the uh, African, you know, uh, missionaries because where he course, at? You know, he's in Ghana. Okay. And so right now his companion is from Sudan. Yeah. You know, you're going to just be giving these. I figured every letter I wrote was a a letter of reminders and encouragement. Mm Mm-hmm. Because it's like you need to hear this a lot. Yeah. It's just a lot. It's just because he's in a situation where it's very just challenging on many levels. Oh, it's it's. It's so challenging. It is. How I environment and everything. Four months. Yeah. So. Yeah, he's learning how to be himself with it. He's kind of in the, the, you know, he's still kind of, it takes about six months till they get their groove. You yeah. know, it, it, it's, it's a lot good. of learning. It's been so good times. for him. Yeah. He's, there's been a lot of growth and, and he, cool. he became grateful really fast. <laughs> I know. It's a, it's a great. <laughs> when they choose to do it for the right reasons and it's their choice, it's one of the most um, supportive. I, uh, for my children, it was a beautiful, life-changing experience for all the... But when they were home, they were done. They were like, my type 4 son oh, said, yeah. Mom, is it okay that I don't miss that at all? I'm like, I think being a type 4, that would be pretty typical. That, like, uh-huh. you're, over, you're done. You're moving on. Yeah. So, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Well, you know, my son, my bold and blunt son. You know how the the practices that they give a, um, they get to speak when they come home. And this is my very tight for bold and blunt son. He goes, "Hey, I'm not gonna lie. My mission sucked." (laughs) He goes, "You say this from the pulpit." Yeah, and then he says, "Hey, I love uh, I love every part of it, but if you think it's going to be easy, it's not. It's yeah, hard. It's not he's at like, all." I don't he's going out there thinking this is some like it's hard, and then our you know the bishop stands up and just kind of counters, tries to counter all that because well, mm-hmm. you know, but Martin says it how it is. <laughs> I'm like, it. okay. <laughs> well, and he. How are you really, uh, this is where we joke. We say, "How do you really feel?" Well, tell us how you really are feeling. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's hilarious! So. Well, I appreciate your help. I just yeah, you know, I, I I sit here as a type two and worry from the clear yeah. the world. You know, it's and, not. You're gonna think it's worse than it is. Well, yeah, because that's what we well, do <laughs> again. But yeah, that's good for you to remind yourself of that. That that um, mm-hmm. to keep keep checking yourself on that. So yeah. That's great. I just, he, you know, he's gone to the depression before, and so that's what I worry about. You well, know. you looked into the um, Empower Plus product that I talk about, the um, for helping the keep your 
it feeds your brain chemistry. It's amino acids you need. And I, I, that, I'm glad you said that because I kept thinking I need to tell her about getting him what on the supplement. What is it called again? Well, TrueHope.com is the company, and they sell a product mm-hmm. called Empower Plus, and they give a 50% discount for missionaries because a lot of depression comes up uh-huh. in that experience. It's very common because it okay. brings up a lot of stuff, a lot of emotional stuff for um, in that experience. And so TrueHope.com, okay. they sell a product called Empower Plus, and I think he should get on it. Take about four is or five it, a day. So it's amino acids. So is it something do you think that could would be okay in the climate over there? Like to oh, yeah. ship it and for him to oh, have yeah. there, it's not something that's going to melt or no, no, or stick capsule. together. No, or, no it's fine. They'd be okay. Okay. Oh sure. Yeah. All right. I ask well, I help appreciate him. your help. Stay um, out of that going dropping into the. Yeah. It helps you maintain so you don't have the highs and lows. And type 1s can hit mm-hmm. those lows, see, because any time our type, we all have depression differently. For type 1s, they can, you know, get really high pretty quick, but then they'll, if they drop out, it can go pretty low. And you've got to create a... Yeah. Um, oh, yeah. Kind of a, I've seen him do it. Create a, so they don't drop and their brain chemistry doesn't tank out on them. Well, and I think he's not... I don't think he's eating well. He's a very picky eater, so he's gone over there and there's, you know. Yeah. The well, that's why you so want to strange. get him on a supplement then, too, because you can't depend on the diet. You can't even depend on the diet in the United States. I mean, you got a really, really yeah. healthy diet oh, with know. all of the, it, you know, you got to be growing in your backyard. Even then there's problems. Yeah. <laughs> well, so. I, I stand in with I stand in with a lot of stuff. I, you know, I I do essential oils and and all of that, and I sent him with good vitamins and and oils, and he knows, you know, what oils yeah. he's This is different, though. This particularly is him and brain chemistry, though. Uh-huh. Mm-hmm. I haven't found anything. Okay. I'm I'm versed in all that stuff, and I haven't found anything mm-hmm. that is effective with helping your brain chemistry. I don't know anything else yeah. that touches it like this stuff does. So check it out. Okay. They, have, they have a great customer support. They'll answer any of your questions. Okay. Well, that sounds good. Well, thank right. you so much. Yeah. Have fun talking to him. Oh, I will. <laughs> All right. Thank you. Talk to you later. Bye. Well, it's the end of our show. We went a little over. Thanks to everyone for joining me. I'll be um, back in a couple of weeks for another live show. Until then, keep believing and knowing you're a great parent. Keep um, checking yourself and being willing to, to, like I said, the big takeaway today was be willing to apologize to your children. We'll talk to you soon. For more information on Carol's revolutionary Child Whisperer parenting system, go to www.thechildwhisperer.com where you can learn more about purchasing her groundbreaking parenting book, The Child Whisperer. That's www. .thechildwhisperer.com To submit questions to Carol Tuttle's Child Whisperer show, email your questions to parenting at liveyourtruth.com That's parenting at liveyourtruth.com Thank you for being a part of today's show.